Because that's where Satan hides his access to your life. Did you hear what I said? Beware of your need to be comfortable. Your need to have peace and to have comfort. Not everything that's good is comfortable. Not everything that's God's will comes with peace. Our God can be the God in the storm and in the conflict. And sometimes there is no peace until first there is a conflict. And so the Lord spoke to me this morning and he said, warn my people. Tell this congregation this morning. Beware of your constant focus and need on being comfortable. Because therein, under those covers, those comforters and, and cozies, is where Satan hides his keys, his access to your life. Is your insistence on being comfortable. Your insistence on having peace. Your insistence on not having your circumstances turned upside down. Sometimes when the, when the wind comes in and the room gets flipped upside down, God is in the midst. And the Lord is doing something because he thinks and believes it's time to rearrange some things because it's time to change some things. We all love change, but what we really love is we like after the change has come and we get to go back to chips and soda and a remote in our hand instead of their hand. We like the peace that comes after, but we don't like the change. We just want the benefits. It doesn't work like that, child of God. It doesn't work like that. You and I need to surrender our need to be comfortable and beware of that addiction to comfort. Listen to what Paul writes in Galatians. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. Now think for a moment. The flesh loves to be comfortable. The flesh likes comfort. The flesh wants to relax. The flesh loves it when it's at peace. But the Bible says the desires of the flesh resist the desires of the Holy Spirit. And he says the desires of the Spirit resist the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the flesh resist the desires of the Spirit. For these two are opposed to one another to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Have you noticed sometimes your desire for God is restricted? You have a desire to see God move, but you can't seem to find that flow. You can't seem to find that place where you're rolling with the Holy Spirit. It's because you're clinging to your need for comfort. You're clinging to that peaceful circumstance that you've grown addicted to. And God is trying to stir his people up. God is trying to stir you up. The flesh should not control your life. 
even when, the, even when what your flesh wants is good, it may be what God wants for you, you need to get it from the hand of God and not let the devil serve it to you. I think if there's one thing we're after this morning, we want to put a silver bullet in the heart of where Satan has a hold on your life and mine. God wants and deserves a free people. God is hungry to do great things, but he can't do them through a people who have to relax all the time. He can't do them through people who have to be at ease all the time. Sometimes you have to be on alert. Sometimes you have to, you have to embrace the heightened anxiety that the Spirit of God is bringing. Sound the alarm, Joel said in Joel, in Joel chapter 2. On my holy hill, sound the alarm. What happens when that happens is everybody's need for peace and comfort gets disturbed and we get yanked and pulled out of our comfort place. So have you noticed that there's a paralysis that comes when you allow flesh, even, quote, sanctified flesh, to lead your life? I believe this week God wants to bring this church into a new experience. I believe God wants to bring each and every one of you into a new, freer place with the Lord this week in your walk. But if you don't get past the point God's laying down in front of us this morning, you're not going to get there. Because there are weights, as it says in Hebrews, lay aside the weights and the sins that so easily beset. There are easily besetting sins we keep in our house, they're like pets. God's grace, we have found a place in God's grace where those pets can survive in our house. Come on, are you listening to me? Do you understand what I'm talking about? The, the easily besetting sins and those constant weights. We have found a place of allowance, a place of comfort. I can still serve God. I can still pray through and, and, and get a touch from God. But what God is wanting to do today is going to require a people that are walking around with more than a touch from God. Are you listening to me? You see, we need to let God move through us to deliver a people who are literally enslaved by their flesh to Satan. And if you've got any of Satan's stuff in your house, you're not going to have the power of God operating in you to free anybody because you yourself are a religious slave to the comfort that your flesh demands. Come on, somebody. If you know what I'm talking about, hallelujah, and I think that you do, I think you're with me. We've got to go all the way with this thing this morning. There's another place where the Lord speaks about not allowing your flesh to lead you, but walking by the Spirit. It's in Romans 5, and 7, 5 through 7 in Romans 8. You're familiar with that one too. It says, for those who live according to the flesh. I'll stop for a moment. Think about that. Living according to the flesh is really obvious when we tick all those major boxes, fornication, lying, stealing, uh, serving the devil, all, whatever it might be. But what about just letting the flesh be the first 
thing to get you up in the morning and to be the thing that decides the conflicts throughout the day. When you're challenged and the enemy stands up against you, your spirit says to take a, a sacrificial step of faith and obedience, but your flesh says, just cool down. God wants to use somebody else. This is not your time. You see, that's flesh also. That's as much flesh as the flesh that says, I want to go whoring. I want to go tour through pornography. I want to lie. I want to cheat. I want to triple my income, and I'll do anything to do it. It's just as deadly, just as dangerous as those things. And you know something? When you let your flesh make those critical decisions against the Spirit of God, you become paralyzed and you can't do what you want to do. You want to serve God. You sing about it on Sunday. You pray to do it, but when the time comes, you can't dislodge yourself from the paralysis that you're in to be able to step out. And so I am going to suggest to you that we will break that yoke this morning if you're willing and obedient. If you're willing to break the yoke and hear the call, and I'm going to put one other thing before you this morning. If you're willing to sanctify a day this week and fast and pray and choke out that flesh. If, it, if you can do it in one day, do it in one day. If it takes more than one day, do whatever it takes. Now some of you think, I can't fast. Yes, that's your flesh talking. That's your flesh talking. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Your flesh is screaming at you. I can go, I can, I can fast a meal, but that's it. You see, that's why you're no farther along in God. Say, now that sounds like works to me. No, it's maintenance. Are you listening to me? You want that, you want that Ferrari. You want that high revving motor. You want that life that's got some power behind it when you put your foot to the accelerator. But honey, let me tell you something. That takes maintenance. It takes maintenance. If you're not willing to train, and if you're not willing to keep yourself trained, if you're not willing to keep yourself tooled up, if you can't fast more than one meal, then you don't have the maintenance going on in your life to maintain the true move of the Holy Ghost. The true move of God in your life. Let me tell you a little secret about great anointings and great power and people who do mighty things in God. It's a lie from the pit of hell. That stuff you see plastered all over Facebook and social media about all these weekend conferences and big fancy spiritual celebrities, apostle this and prophet that, and, and all these people with their titles and names. And it, and it just reinforces the myth that that kind of move of God is reserved for people whom God has specially selected. It's a lie. Whosoever will. The gospel begins with that. Whoever will. Who will pick up their cross and follow me. Any single one of you Amen. can move in that power and that anointing. It takes obedience. It takes obedience to the Lord. Hallelujah. And so it says, for those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the flesh. Have you ever noticed a pattern in your life? And be honest with yourself this morning, because you're not going to get anywhere if you don't listen to what I say and really be honest with yourself. Have you noticed that you can't seem to stop your mind from thinking about carnal things? 
Whatever those carnal things are in your life, it's like, well, you know, I don't pursue them, but if you ever notice you can't stop them, it just never stops. It just keeps coming. Your mind is set. There's a setness in your mind. And the Bible says those who live according to the flesh set their minds. They can't take their mind off of carnal things to locate a vision from God. But the scripture says if you can break that, if you can come before God, break that, and bring yourself meaningfully, full of passion, full of fire, full of desire, before God say, God, I'm sick of it, I'm tired of it, I want to live in the things of God. Then you will set your mind, the Bible says, you will set your mind on the Spirit and live according to the Spirit and be able to set your mind on the Spirit. It says, for those, uh, for to set your mind on the flesh is death. How many Christians, and you don't need to raise your hand or anything, but just think with me. How many Christians experience and live a certain degree of death in their life? Not the death to self that is healthy, but the death of vision, the death of passion, the death of a tuned ear that can hear from God, the death of desire for God, the death of the things that you don't want to die. The death of the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness. The Bible says against those there is no restriction, no law. There should be no death of those things. They should just grow and break out in your life and multiply and bear fruit. But is there death on the vine? Is there death eating the fruit of the Spirit? Are the fruits of the Spirit prematurely falling from the vine? While impatience, frustration, fear, worry, stress, anger, all of the fruits of the flesh, lust, need for power, need for attention, need for affirmation, while all of those things flourish and you can't seem to clear them away, you no sooner push those things away and they're right back again, just automatically finding a place in your mind. That is exactly what this is talking about. If you set your mind upon the flesh, you're not going to be able to stop those things. You will experience death. But, hallelujah, the mind that is set on the spirit is life and it's peace. God wants you to walk in life and peace. He wants you to walk in the things of God and know them and experience them and be able to share them. So I began with this thought that the Lord gave me. Hallelujah. And I'm so glad I obeyed the Holy Spirit. I, I got this awesome message for this morning. It's going to have to wait till next week. Hallelujah. Next week we'll probably be ready for it. Be careful. I warn you. Be careful of your need for comfort because therein hides Satan's access to your life. You need to leave, live a spiritually Spartan life. I don't give place to the devil. I don't need anything if it means Satan has an access to my life. Are you listening? I don't need anything that much. 
If it means Satan can get at me, if it means that he can have access, drain my passion for God, redirect my vision, uh, influence my desires. You see, many of us are no longer teenagers, and some of you I've known almost since we were teenagers, so that's a long time. But we're not at that place anymore. We're an older group of people. But one of the occupational hazards of having some years behind you and having a lot of experience under your feet is that we get stuck in patterns. We have lived so long. We have, we have eliminated the bad stuff. We found the good stuff, and we're leave, living, quote, a good life. And the worst enemy of a powerful life is a good life. And you say, why is that? That doesn't make a bit of sense. Look outside today. There's a war going on. A war for souls, and the damages are great. This is not a playground. This is a war zone that we live in. Comfort is not the primary objective for God's people. We have settled into a good life, and we get up every day and there is no opening for God. I know we pray. I know we read our Bible. I know we, but we've already got an agenda laid out. I have to do this. I've got this on my schedule. I have to do that. But pastor, you don't understand. I have to go to work. But our going to work is saying bye-bye to Jesus. Why are we saying bye-bye to Jesus? Why isn't work our ministry? Why isn't the job our pulpit? Are you listening to what I'm saying? So we are the army of God today. And God is saying, I do have some awesome things to lay on you. But you're going to have to soldier up. These, these things aren't for civilians. These are for people who understand there's a war, and I'm willing to step into the gap. I'm going to share a message next week with you about the gap. And let me, share, let me warn you before it comes that the bottom line of that message is there's no such thing as a Christian who isn't called to stand in the gap. There are no civilian Christians. Not from the kingdom of God's perspective. We all have varying degrees of responsibility. God puts... Varying measurements of accountability on each of us, and we're never to judge one another. Each and every one of us stands solely and only before God. I can't judge you, and I don't judge you, and you can't judge me, and I know you don't. We don't judge one another. This isn't about me expecting you to do something. It's about me expecting me to do something, and I hope it's about you expecting you to do something. And what that something is, is between you and the Holy Spirit. He's the one who orchestrates the people of God. Hallelujah. So if, if at any time during this exhortation this morning, there's been a queasy little like, ooh, he's, he's stepping on some nerves. Don't be so quick to back off of that. Rip the cover off those nerves. Rip it open. Get ready to put it on the altar of God. 
Are you listening? I think you've got it. I think you've got it. Let me just close with this one verse in the book of Amos, the prophet Amos chapter 6, I believe it's verse 1. One of the most strange but revealing prophetic statements in the Bible. Woe to those who are at ease in Zion. Woe to those who are at ease in Zion. Zion is the, it was the Old Testament designation of the kingdom of God, the place where the king dwells and where we gather with him. That is Zion. You would think if any place should be a place where the believer finds rest, just remember our rest, our comfort is in the Holy Spirit, not in our physical circumstances. Paul was at rest in the Philippian jail at midnight. Do you understand? Do you understand? He was in terrible circumstances, but he had comfort. He was comfortable in the Holy Ghost. So the Bible says, woe to those, woe to those who are at ease in Zion. We have not come to the kingdom of God to relax. We have come to the kingdom of God to be alert. Relaxation will come. And right now, our relaxation is in here. Hallelujah. But it may not be out there. So if there is a young man or a young woman in you that's feeling the need to jump up in front of Jesus, the recruiter, and say, here I am, Lord, send me, then I say, let him or her jump. Let them move. Because God is looking for Christians who will sign up. Hallelujah. God. Are you listening? Can I get up and share something? Absolutely. Let me give you this. Let me give you this say something enhancer. Just before he got up, I had a vision. And I was in a room. There was a Christian sitting in a chair. Three doors in front of him. And this, the Lord was saying, I have designated many ways to come into the blessing that I have for you as a Christian. I said, but unless you get up and move and change, you're not going to ever experience it. And the person sitting in the chair didn't want to get up. And I heard the Lord say he was confused. He was wondering why we wouldn't get up and be uncomfortable and move toward that blessing. And I felt like it was about all of us that many times God is requiring a paradigm shift, but it's doing something that makes us uncomfortable. So we just sit. We don't do it. And that's, wow. I felt like that was exactly what you're trying to say. And that was just yeah, moments? Just right before you got Revelation chapter 2 and 3. Hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the angel of the church at Clearwater. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God.